Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. All right, Uki, I think we are live. Uki, how are you doing today? Good, Eddie. Nice to connect. Awesome. Nice to connect as well. And for everyone tuning in, I am with Uki Chong. He is the CEO of 2Xpand, a sales agency uh, with plenty of years of experience. Uki, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background, how you got into sales, how you got into the sales outsourcing industry specifically? Sure. Thanks for that, Eddie. So taking a step back, I am a sales guy at heart, Eddie, right? I mean, I started as an individual contributor, you know, really worked my way up, you know, to, you know, managing teams from there, you know, helping to gross, you know, client success, operations, all the stuff. But again, I am a sales guy at heart. But with that in mind, I've been in the media space close to 20 years. I've been with some major publishers like Ziff Davis, et cetera, helping lead teams over there, as well as helping ramp up startups from zero to 10 million plus, right, et cetera, multiple times. And what I did recently is last year, after the last company, the team I was with went through an MBO situation, et cetera, I decided it was time to really start owning what I wanted to do and launch this brand to expand. So we officially went to market November of last year. So we wow. really went to town starting February of this year, and we're focusing offering really hyper-targeted B2B solutions for our clients, Eddie. Awesome. B2B solutions. That's something that definitely the audience is going to care about listening in. So why don't we transition now? Plenty of experience in, in sales, fresh, new in the market with this new uh, solution. Tell me a little bit about the best fit customers for to expand and the service that you're offering. That's a great question. I like to say that even from an ideal customer profile perspective, I'm going to use that term, right? is our team likes to look at it from a different perspective, right? A little bit outside the box. So what that means is a lot of, you know, lead generation companies might say, hey, you know, our best clients are going to be enterprise that sells, you know, billions of dollars in revenue, all this stuff. Our philosophy is we want to work with clients that are going to actually want to partner with us to drive true revenue growth, whether it's mid-sized guys all the way to enterprise. So, the key factor is because of what we do is I'm also a firm believer on setting right expectations and bottom line for our programs to be successful. Our clients need to have a certain mindset on how they nurture the relationships that we're trying to get them to engage with. So if they really have that follow up strategy saying, hey, you know what, we understand in this environment, it's not just about closing deals, it's about building true relationships and partnerships. And we're going to do that the right way from even prospecting standpoint. Those are the ideal clients for us. Perfect. So you have a solution for the prospecting uh, roles, the SDRs, maybe even account executives that still roll up their sleeves and, and set appointments. But the most important factor for your ideal customers are uh, just not looking for solutions where they just throw money at the issue and hope that it gets fixed automatically, but rather, hey, I'm going to be invested in making sure that I learn how to maximize the results uh, or the leads that you're bringing me in uh, to convert so that ultimately I am reaching my revenue goals and not just, again, paying for some leads and just dumping it out there to my team, see if, if they actually get something out of those, correct? Exactly. And we actually have a checklist mentality on how we position this to our clients, right? Is and as corny as it sounds, is the top of that list is 
you know, we ask our clients, are you guys open to disruptive tactics, right? And from there, if we're able to align on what we consider good targeting recommendations, profiles to go after, you know, are the, you know, sales and marketing teams aligned on how they're going to nurture as well and how they're going to collaborate, you know, on that side? And are they going to really take the mindset that they're not just looking to close the lead, but actually build relationship with the company? So that is where they should incorporate true ABM type of mindset strategies, right? And at that point, if they're willing to work with us with that type of, you know, mindset and also give us ongoing feedback, that is who we love to work with. Now, I will say, obviously, we're B2B, right? You know, our clients sell, you know, business to business. You know, we work with industries across the board, whether they sell IT to HR solutions. But I'll also say that if a, you know, if a company wants to only target, you know, one industry and they have a very strict view on, you know, who they think is the ideal fit saying, hey, we only want to talk to the CEOs of these, you know, companies, et cetera. And they have to have all these additional criteria. That is not necessarily a good fit for us, Eddie, right? Because what we want to do is we want the clients to give us trust, to let us use all the cool actual abilities that we have on the background, including AI targeting, intent overlays, all this stuff, so that we're not handcuffed on how we could actually help our clients grow revenue. Okay, so there's a few a few things to unpack here, Uki, which are, you mentioned account-based sales, account-based marketing mentality, uh, which is not something that every product uh, utilizes, right? It's typically higher ticket uh, products. So you did mention your um, the target audience that you help your buyers engage with could be in different ranges of industries, right? Manufacturing, you mentioned uh, technology. But the, the key factor is, one, be invested in the strategy, but also have that mindset of, um, maybe not just one decision maker in B2B, uh, you typically sell to a consensus. You are looking to, to get the company. You mentioned uh, on a conversation before rolling the cameras, you're looking to convert the company, not the individual. So those are some of the, the, the areas where you say, hey, don't give me just the decision maker. Allow me to also give you some recommendations. But when it comes to account-based sales strategies again, what would be the, if it's not an industry that is recommended, what would be the annual um, contract value or the average deal value for a transaction that, that you would say, hey, if you are in this range, our services are a much better fit? It's a great question. So I kind of touched on it lightly, but you know, typically majority of our clients are your mid-size to enterprise technology providers, right? They have solutions, obviously, you know, that typically may be a longer sales cycle as well, three to six months, for example, or even 12 months plus. So when you look at our model to give you a typical you know, idea is we ultimately sell leads to our clients, right, Eddie, is, you know, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, you know what, we have a really robust, vetted, validated database. And what we're looking to do is we're going to generate you know, fully compliant opt-in individuals that wants more information from your team. Now, when you look at that model to answer your question is typically from a costing perspective, we do everything on a cost per lead model typically, right? Okay. So when you look at that value is our programs can range anywhere from 25K to 100K plus a quarter, depending on the client's initiative and what they're looking to do. 
Now let's do some reverse ROI stuff, right, Eddie? Because I love that. Because again, I'm a sales guy at heart. You know, I grow my own sales teams. That's what we're doing now. Is to your point, we have to be able to justify ROI to our clients, and that's when we start going through the math, right? Hey, if we're going to generate X number of leads, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to look at what average sales cycle is for your team, right? Average mm-hmm. engagements rates. And we really start digging into it. And we confirm that if we pass a thousand leads to that client, ultimately they're going to get maybe 20% that responds back based off of their numbers. Another 20% that actually, you know, wants to talk, have meetings, then based off of their close rate, guess what? If they close five clients, Mr. You know, Mr. Client, mm-hmm. out of a thousand leads and it's going to be X, does that provide value to your team? Is there so ROI? I'm not trying to avoid answering your question, but that's how we really start looking at proving ROI to our clients too, is does it really make sense to spend X per lead if your sales team's, for example, convert rate is not where you want it to be either? You see what I'm saying, Eddie? Okay, perfect. So I guess some of your best customers are also uh, going through a process in which you also learn about them and their conversion rates, um, how many leads uh, an average rep needs to work with in order to get a deal. And based off of that, you calculate, okay, this would be the volume we require, the bill uh, that you would have to pay. Does it make sense, basically? Absolutely. And you know, I know, I know we're going to go into this a little bit later as well, but even on how we actually invoice and work with our clients, Eddie, we have a very unique model. And it's really based on the fact that we're trying to hold both teams accountable, right? Historically, it's always been on the client side. Hey, we're going to pass you guys leads, go for it. You know, whatever happens, you still owe, right? What we're saying is there's ways that we could hold our team accountable that makes sense as long as we know that our clients are going to be doing the right things. That's the type of partnerships that we want to build. Both both players are putting skin in the game to make sure that the partnership is successful. That takes me to my next question, uh, which is let's highlight one of your service offerings. And if you can share a success story around that service offering, who have you impacted? Because you did mention, hey, a wide range of customers that I can serve is wide range of targets that I can reach. Let's talk about one specific uh, case study to give people something to anchor. Tell me, since it, this is lead generation, uh, I would imagine the primary measure of success were the number of leads uh, either you deliver on a monthly or weekly basis. Is that correct? Typically, it is, right? When you really go to core, what we deliver, it is profiled, vetted business card information, right, Eddie? That's what it really comes down to. Now, there's additional things that's part of that, but what that means is... From a delivery standpoint is we work full funnel type of initiatives, okay? And what that means is that a la carte type of style, if a client wanted to run only top of the funnel MQL type of programs, that's where we would generate single opt-in leads, for example, to our client's content that you know we agree on. And at that point, what we're really doing is generating a good volume of vetted individuals to go into marketing nurture strategy, right? To really start that process. Then you take that a step further. And we also offer programs where we say, you know what, not only are we going to generate a single opt-in, but we're also going to generate a second as well to another piece of content, Mm -hmm. right? So what that is really showing is that, you know what, we've identified that this individual is showing more intent. Obviously they're, you know, looking at more information, And that's what we consider middle of the funnel. 
Now you look at lower funnel, HQL, SQL, right? Highly qualified leads, sales qualified leads, et cetera. And that's where we take that approach where it's a combination of, you know, confirming opt-in details. But then we also have a targeted calling team that gives these individuals a call to verbally confirm accuracy of all opt-in information, including any sort of lower, you know, funnel type of questions where we want to confirm, hey, are you guys truly right now in the process of evaluating solutions, right? So as we run these programs, again, what we're delivering is leads, okay? Now, on top of that, to your point, what are some of the better success stories we're seeing, right? Is as we build these programs up, is we offer what we truly call full funnel package options, for example, right, Eddie? Is we're saying, yep. hey, let's not just run, you know, just single type of tactics, we have the ability to run a truly holistic approach. And one focus as well is everything is digital based to start, right? It's really confirmed so that we confirm data wise what's going on. There's no confusion. So as we build these larger type of initiatives is we always take a crawl, walk, run approach to what we do as well, right? So that means that, you know, even if a client wants to give us, you know, $200,000 in spend, you know, first program, yeah, maybe a lot of people would hear that, you know, or like that. We're not necessarily going to want to do that, though, Eddie, because mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the right way to ramp up a client. But if they do, you know, work with us and we say, cool, we're going to start with that crawl and we're going to, you know, run a, you know, straightforward program to really show value, prove results. Then we, you know, run a walk initiative where we're really proving that is repetitive, right? Showing mm -hmm. them that we could do it again. Then yeah. once we really start doing it, that's where we're full on deployment. And that's why our clients are saying, cool, you know what? We want to run, you know, a $250,000 program over a quarter where it covers top middle funnel. And it's a really holistic approach because now they have all their teams working collaboratively across the pipeline. Okay. Because here's the biggest thing, Eddie is we're trying to help our clients generate revenue. I think sometimes companies forget that, right, in our space, right? Is we're not trying to give them volume of leads. We're not trying to say, hey, you know, work to this company for five years and, you know, let's see if you guys can close them. We want to partner with them to give them true tactics that's going to help them close deals. And with that in mind, even like how we price and, again, how we invoice our clients is very black and white because we want to show them that we're, trying to do what's right if that's you know kind of makes sense both uh have skin in the game again now there's a few things to unpack here um starting with the lead no, i'm sorry too. actually i didn't mean to disregard the other part the, the final question is to be again transparent i kind of touched on it very early is our team officially really started engaging the marketplace in feb so what i like to say for a success story is from feb until now what a little over six months right yep. is you know without me sharing too much details i can say that we've started working with five clients right major brands we've also opened up close to 30 opportunities you know that is within our wheelhouse now we're not looking to spray and shotgun approach to the marketplace again we're taking a very strategic approach on how we want to engage with our clients but if you look at this perspective, Eddie, is typically once we ramp up programs, is a client will typically say, you know what, we'll spend typically 50 to 100K plus a quarter with you. Mm. I think what people tend to forget 
is if you play the volume game versus the quality game sometimes, you forget <laughs> that, you know what, if you have 50 clients that are really happy with you and you just start growing that type of model, that turns into phenomenal revenue versus trying to land a thousand clients, hoping for success, having a very poor retention rate, and now you're struggling to fill your funnel ongoing. So not only do we try and live that ourselves, but that's the type of mindset that we're trying to relate to our clients as well. Wonderful. Now, Uki, this ties back to one of the things we were discussing before the cameras were rolling around ideal company profile, the ICP. And based on what you said with the leads, I wanted to unpack. It sounds like companies that are that have content that want to push it out, just don't have the consistency, don't have the bandwidth. As long as they understand what are the great pieces, great maybe uh, pieces with some sort of like intent value, uh, high conversion, maybe pricing pages, you can push that content out through your efforts and provide different quality of leads, leads that have seen your content once, twice, or not twice, but rather two different pieces of content, ideally, again, high intent content. Um, and even uh, further down the funnel, follow up with some of those leads to set up an engagement or, or uh, at least the, validate the interest to speak with sales, right? You did mention, hey, we can do some sort of uh, qualification criteria, high-level qualifying questions to validate those leads and then hand over the information. Ultimately, is the company, the, the hiring company, responsible for closing those leads, working them, following up? You do want to make sure that they are following Companies up. Companies do hire sales teams for a reason, right, Eddie? <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know, they have to, you know, do their work too. That's the thing. And that's the type of partnership that we want to build. It really is. Wonderful. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Sorry. Wonderful. Yeah. So I was saying that uh, companies that do have those, uh, let's say they may have plenty of marketing assets, but have not been pushing them consistently. They should be considering uh, to expand because, hey, we can push the right content. And uh, you did mention as well before, again, uh, recording, you can surface up not only if they said, hey, my decision maker is typically the owner or the VP of sales, you can surface up other champions or decision makers for a given opportunity because of that account-based uh, sales or marketing mentality in which you're not selling to an individual, but rather the company. So if this is not a good point of contact to continue the engagement, here's other champions alternatives you can um, use to try to close that opportunity, correct? That's right. And that's actually a great segue point too, Eddie, because here's the thing, from a pure checklist standpoint, this is what we want to see is we want to understand that, you know, when we pass a lead, a company is not going to expect a one call close, right? They need to understand that they need to do, you know, five to 10 additional follow up with emails, as well as calls, not just trying to close appointments, but providing value. That's checklist number one. Checklist number two, to your point, is when I touched on true ABM strategy, is we get it, is we don't want to just talk about it. Our team actually wants to help with that too. Mm -hmm. So that means that for every lead that we deliver, that's true, you know, opt-in that we're, you know, obviously charging for on top of that, based off of the size of the organization, based off of, you know, what our clients are looking to sell and what they're positioning, is we mm -hmm. will identify additional stakeholders in the buying committee. Now, to be clear, these are pre-opt-in, right? We're helping, saving, marketing, sales time by saying, hey, we know these guys are most likely within the buying chain, right? Because typically, everyone should understand this is within any organization, whether it's an SMB to enterprise, you're going to have three to 10 people involved. Bottom line. 
-hmm. So with that in mind, what we're doing is saying, hey, guess what? Again, we're trying to help you guys close and you know build a relationship with the company. So here's the opt-in lead. You know that, let's say, this director of IT or marketing, they're showing interest now. But you know what? There's also two marketing managers, right? Another strategic VP of marketing strategy, et cetera. They obviously have to be connected. Is yep. that marketing director only going to engage because she's only interested or he's only interested? Obviously, that person has been directed to start looking for something. Mm -hmm. So at that point, guess what, sales team? You have this mapped out plan, right? Here's some additional good targets that we just saved your time you know, profiling. Now you could do hyper custom email approach to really start engaging those people the right way too, right? So that now you guys show the company that there's thought behind they're trying to build that relationship with that lead that they're trying to close, right, Eddie? Wonderful. So with that in mind, you'd be surprised is, is, is some teams, you know, get it. Some teams don't still, right? And it's fine, but I will say this, with the changing environment, with the way that people are engaging with technology, for example, just like what we're doing, is unless you know how to truly engage trying to sell your solutions the right way, they're going to keep on falling behind more and more. Yeah. I think one of the other challenges that this brings to, to someone to be a great fit is also be nimble with your ability to create copy uh, and content, because if you're going to service other decision makers that maybe they didn't have mapped out initially as their ideal decision makers, you at least need to be able to craft your value proposition for their specific use case. Uh, and that's part of the uh, what you said earlier. We need to work with great buyers that are willing to put some skin in the game, some effort into working better those leads, converting them better. You, you provide extra signals. You provide better qualified leads. But they also need to adapt to those uh, leads that you give them maybe outside of their typical uh, expectations. Uh, but definitely with a high conversion potential, which takes me to, um, let's say, my last question in this section around the target lead list. How do you generate those leads? Right. So you, your job is to push the content to generate a, or clean qualify those leads. But where do you source them from? What processes do you have sure. to enhance that initial lead? That's list? actually a great question, Eddie, especially in this entire lead generation space slash marketplace. Right. Yeah. Is. Lead gen content syndication by itself has been around for decades. I think everyone understands this. Okay. And I think everyone understands that there's typically databases that people are able to target to generate engagement. Right. What people don't necessarily understand is that for many, many years, there's been a very gray area between first party and using third party tactics. Right. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that, for example, you know, lead gen company A, okay, they work with, you know, client, you know, B, you know, client B works with, you know, that company to generate leads, but then that lead gen company behind the scenes uses other partners to fulfill. Correct. So what I did was when we really started setting this up is one, this is first party data, right? So we built, acquired everything from the ground up source of truth so we own it and we're for you know we're confident in the source okay. right at that point from a lead delivery standpoint everything we do at core is always email based we have 
you know, a brand that's user facing where they've given us permissions to send them great content to engage with. Okay. But that's all one-to-one email based because they asked for it. Right. We're not trying to spam people. We're looking to engage with professionals with the type of content that they actually want to see and they've requested. So for example, a client says, Hey guys, we have, you know, this type of solution, marketing automation, whatever it may be, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to target this segment. So from there, we, look at our database and we say, hey guys, within our database, this is our universe. Based off of that universe, we feel confident that we could get X percent to engage, you know, with opt-ins, all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And that is all email-based. So at that point, it's not about, you know, know, driving people to microsites again. It's really intent-focused based off of what they've been engaging with previously. We want to put content that they want to see once they receive it in their inbox, if they're interested, they click through, they confirm all T's and C's, making sure everything's legitimate. Once we verify, vet it, that's a lead for our client, a single opt-in. Now, you know, from that point, if it's double, same thing. But what happens is that individual receive content A, and we start nurturing them further because that's also how we help our clients. Like, we don't want to just, you know, again, if they're cool with it, we're going to give them great content as follow-up. And if they engage with another piece of content the same way via email, now guess what? We've got two confirmed digital signals of true engagement by profiled individuals that meets title requirements, that meets industry requirements, revenue requirements, whatever it may be. And we know for a fact that they're looking at your, you know, your solutions. What are you guys going to do with that now, Eddie? You see what I'm saying? That's where once we pass that lead, it could be anywhere from, let's say, 100 leads a week to 1,000. But I'll tell you what, if a client says, hey, we can manage 1,000 leads a month, we're going to make or a week, we're going to make sure that, you know, there's true capability to do that, too. Now, I have a question there, Uki. So the, the content is being pushed mostly through email. It's not like it's living, as you said, it's not living in specific landing pages. Um you also mentioned that you can sometimes in, in a certain range of services offer phone follow-up. So you Correct. validate both uh, phone contact numbers and uh, email, making sure that they don't bounce, et cetera. Do you also provide any other piece of uh, contact information? Like, I don't know, a LinkedIn profile or Absolutely. social, That's a great question. social network? One standard is as a standard, we have a, you know, what we call standard fields that we will pass. Right. And that's pretty comprehensive, Eddie. You know, that includes, you know, mobile numbers, if we have it, direct numbers, obviously emails to your point, LinkedIn. But we also provide timestamps and date, time, clear engagement. Right. So that, you know, there's really, you know, no confusion on when they did it, what they did, you know, what they engage with. If there's custom questions, you know, to your point where we run a lower funnel where we have to do additional vetting. We will also pass all the responses to the questions that we need to qualify on. So that at that point, on top of that, we also work with clients that say, hey, you know what, guys, we would actually be interested to see if you could also pass this data. And if it's within our system, we'll build it in and we'll pass it as well. So there's that custom type of, you know, white glove mentality as well, for sure. But even the standard lead delivery templates, Eddie, is very comprehensive, as I mentioned, though, for sure. 
Okay, you were breaking up a little bit at the end there, Uki. It seemed like uh, what I understood is, hey, you may have a predefined drop-down list for, um, or, or predefined answers for certain questions. You tabulate the information and pass it over along with the contact data pre-qualified. Uh, Correct. Correct. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Now, it's been a long episode for the sake of... Um, Moving a little bit faster with some tips, I want to. I want the audience to also get some actionable advice. We've spoken a lot about uh, who could be a good target for this and the characteristics that they should have. But if you had to give the audience some advice on how to increase the chances of being profitable, of achieving revenue, as you said, both have skin in the game, um, and really getting the results they want fast with to expand, what advice would you give them? So main, main tips is one, ask the right questions, ask hard questions when you start looking at which partners to work with that's gonna help you generate pipeline, right? Leads, et cetera. And that means understanding, you know, are they generating you know, first party leads? Are they using third party tactics, et cetera? At that point, my next strongest recommendation is to really incorporate nurture follow-up strategy, guys. I've said it a few times, but the teams have to understand that in order to engage and to build a relationship is just have a good strategy on how you want to share information, how to share resources. One other key aspect is, you know, understand how you guys could protect your risk, you know, from a program perspective. One of the biggest things that we're doing on our site is as we work with our clients is we hold a risk type of guarantee model. That means that for every initiative that we run, whether it's a pilot program or ongoing, is we'll send a simple survey every month for that month's delivery saying, hey, guys, were you happy with the experience? If they answer yes, we continue rocking and rolling, moment, you know, building momentum, all that good stuff. If they say no for whatever reason, that is you know, where we'll ask for some feedback. But at that point, we just completely zero out the invoices, for example. There's nothing that's going to be billed, invoiced, et cetera. We want to make sure that, you know, we align, we keep, you know, strategies clear. But the biggest thing is, again, with the do what's right type of attitude, hopefully our clients can understand this. And if our clients are willing to do the recommended best practice type of strategies, then we're willing to put, you know, how we get invoiced on the line as well. All right. Wonderful. Okay, that's a great advice. Now, this is great for people that are already working with you. Um any other uh, piece of advice you would share with someone just considering maybe sitting from the sidelines and, and being on the fence on whether they should consider improving the leads that they're working or feeding their sales team or not? My best advice to that is know and understand your numbers, right? And when I say no one understand your numbers is if you're at a certain stage and if you're you know, a revenue leader, for example, is you guys should have a clear idea on ramp up strategy, you know, on, you know, what type of pipeline metrics, volumes, et cetera, it will take to feed your sales team. Right. And it's not about feeding your sales team actually about, but it's about how to feed your company's revenue engine. So if you don't know your numbers, it's going to be a challenge always. So when I say this is, you know, for example, you know what your average deal sizes are. You know what your average close rates are for the current team. You know average sales cycles in general. If you're a revenue leader, at that point, I'm going to make an assumption that you should have a very clear view on 
you know, per headcount, what's expected, what needs to get given to that salesperson to enable them to be successful, right? Because it's not just on them, it's all responsibility as leaders to help set them up for success. So with that in mind, those are hard black and white numbers, Eddie. You can't lie about that. You can't fudge that, right? Is when you really put the effort to understand your numbers, you know what you need to get done to get there, right? So at that point, that's where you can start justifying, hey, you know, Mr. President or CEO or, you know, other department has executives, et cetera. This is what we need to do because this is our current sales you know, cycle. This is our current close percent with our current sales team. If we want to hit this target this year, like we're planning, guess what? We need to do this. You see what I'm saying, Eddie? If yeah. you guys, you know, if, if a team is not able to run those numbers, then engaging with a company like us is going to be kind of a hard battle. Because if we say, cool, they might say, yeah, we could handle 5,000 leads, you know, but then we find out they've got three sales guys that, you know, has no, you know, CRM tool, for example. So really, you know, can you truly handle 5,000 leads effectively? And the other thing, the the time to lead uh, as well, because if you are exposing those leads to content, but it takes the in-house team a week a couple of days to follow up, then the lead is going to become stale. You got to strike when the iron's hot. Exactly. And you actually gave another great example. Of, again, we hear it, you know, because this is the lead gen space, right? But again, that's the part that we're asking our clients to truly hold accountable to themselves. And we'll hold our invoicing accountable. But that's part of saying, hey, guys, please, please, please follow up on the leads you know, with the agreed upon recommended best practices, right? Because when we go through discovery, when we go through our presentations, when we really start, you know, understanding, you know, what our clients are looking for, we're clear. You see what I'm saying, Eddie? We say, hey, if you're not going to nurture leads, this might not be a good fit for your team, right? If you're not planning on doing ABM strategy, this might not be a good fit for your team, right? Because mm -hmm. if they don't, it really is not a good fit for their team. You see what I'm saying? Perfect. Now, if I had to to unpack a little bit the, the previous advice you shared around understanding your numbers, ideally is the conversion numbers. You mentioned if you know your average deal value, and I would say the second most important one is what is your revenue target? If you have those two, I understand your sales cycle length, et cetera, and everything else can be reversed engineered from the revenue There's target. There's a third key too, retention rate, Eddie. That's a big one, man. Right. Yeah. Not only, hey, what's that new pipeline growth or how you want to try to grow revenue, but what is true client retention? Yes, That's the stickiness, the stickiness. Perfect. Now, for for any uh, salesperson considering what could be my numbers, if I want to self-diagnose myself, could be your lead, lead to uh, connected. That's one conversion uh, rate right there. Connected to meeting is the second one. Meeting to deal closed, or at least maybe a quote send or quote send to deal closed. And definitely deal closed, you aggregate those. That's your revenue target. That's your revenue goal. If you reverse engineer, as, as uh, you were saying okay, a, second, a few seconds ago, then you should be able to calculate every salesperson in your team, how many leads they should be receiving, how often in order to convert to a desired number of meetings, a desired number of proposals sent, or a desired number of deals close at the average deal that we established at the beginning. And then as you scale, then you can start doing some crazy things with that data, right? It's like, okay, cool, which sales guys or you know individuals are 
monsters at which segments, right? You know, or, you know, are they stronger with ABC solution versus this solution? I mean, there's so much that we can do to enable the right type of sales philosophies, right, Eddie? And the way we look at it is that's why I say, bottom line, it does come down to revenue growth, right? Mm -hmm. And we're hearing it all the time now is historically for many years, it's always been marketing teams that's been held responsible but we're hearing more and more when we jump on these calls, hey, we need to get CFO sign off, right? That's happening for a reason, I think. It's because when CFOs are saying, hey, guys, great, I see we generated 10,000 leads. Can you show me how that attributed to revenue? Then sense. there's an oh moment if you didn't track it the right way. Perfect. Okay, it's been a great conversation. There you have a team. If you are curious about working with 2Xpand, you can find them in the Cloutos Marketplace. Okay, any last words for the audience? No, this was awesome, Eddie. Again, you know, hopefully there could be more and more crazy disruptive companies out there, right, that wants to do the right thing. Because I think it's going to happen, right? It's, you know, lead gen has been around forever, but the same things will never work ongoing, my friend. And people awesome. are catching on to that. Okay, appreciate your time. There you have a team. Look for us in the Cloudtos Marketplace. Have a good one. Great. Thank you.